The question that we want to focus on today is who? Who do we exist for? This is a big question. And to understand the answer to this question, we go back to our original mission as a church. Avon has existed as a faith community for almost 70 years. The original mission of Avon Mennonite Church began as a mission to reach unchurched people in the east end of Stratford. Just to emphasize that. Oh, there we go. It was, it was that bold movement that confused. <laughs> and it was worth it, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't that something? Yeah, so quickly. If only all our desert experiences were that brief and transitory. <laughs> who, who did Avon exist for in 1950? Unchurched people in the east end of Stratford. That's who Avon existed for. Now, this mission focus is two things. It's external. Unchurched means the people who aren't here. We're a bunch of churched people, right? Avon doesn't exist for us. Avon exists for unchurched people in the east end of Stratford. So it's external and it's very specific. The original call of the Spirit of God upon Avon Mennonite Church was external and specific. And for us to remain faithful to the Spirit of God's call upon us, our mission focus must remain external and specific. Here's what happens. Most churches begin with an external focus. And what happens over time is we begin to focus on ourselves. The inward focus. Spending most of our time and energy and resources on taking care of ourselves. Tending to the needs, and many of the needs need quotes around them. The needs, the preferences, and the demands of the insiders. We enter maintenance mode, where most of our time and energy and resources is spent on maintaining what is and who is in. And that is the way of death for churches. Two weeks ago, I talked about the Spirit of God and Jeremiah saying, I have set before you the way of life and the way of death. The way of death for a church is an internal focus. This is something that we need to make a decision on together. Now the leadership teams have discerned God wants us to return to the original vision and mission focus that God gave Avon Mennonite Church. The focus is out there. But we have to choose that together and not just pay lip service to it, folks. We have to actually make a decision. Because if we make a decision to actually put the focus on people who are outside this faith community, that means we have to make sacrifices as individuals and as a church community. I remember hearing a sermon. One of my colleagues, Randy Clausen, he preached a sermon called Moms Don't Really Like Burnt Toast. (laughs) And he shared this, that his mom would always take the burnt toast and say, oh, I like burnt toast. And then he explained that moms don't actually like burnt toast. They're just doing that because they sacrifice for their children whom they love. And they say they like it because they don't want their children to know 
the sacrifice they're making because that puts guilt and pressure because love doesn't do that. And what dawned on me is, whoa, my mom doesn't like burnt toast. Up until that point in time, I actually thought she did because my mom did the same thing. When we were growing up, oh, I like burnt toast. For all these years, I'm making meals for mom. Make sure you put that toast in a little bit longer for mom. She likes burnt toast. Moms don't actually like burnt toast. The Spirit of God is inviting us to inhabit that mothering, nurturing spirit for the people who are not a part of this faith community and eat some burnt toast once in a while. Are you with me? God helped me to eat some burnt toast once in a while. Folks, we're, we're at the point of decision-making here. We talk about external focus. We're at a point in our journey where we have to make a decision and follow through and make sacrifices for that decision. Do we really want to reach and engage the unchurched people in Stratford or not? Well, you notice that the Mission focus is not only external, it's specific. Unchurched people in the east end of Stratford, that's very specific. This is important. Our mission must continue to be specific in order to be effective in following the Spirit's leading. And the reason for this is there are many different kinds of people in Stratford. And there is no one-size-fits-all church. There is a reason there are over 30 churches in Stratford. That's part of God's design. Each church is a unique expression of the church, the body of Christ, with a specialized calling. Now, the church, there's only one church. There's only one body of Christ in Stratford. And our collective call is to reach everyone in Stratford. But each individual unique expression of the one church in Stratford comes with unique gifting, unique strengths, a unique personality, a unique culture that has wired and equipped that church to reach a certain group of people, a specific group of people that lives in Stratford. I mean, have you been to the other churches in Stratford? We're all quite different. If you go to Jubilee, that's quite different than going to St. Joseph's, right? That's part of God's design. Because God cares about all the different tribes, all the different kinds of people who live in Stratford. So God raises up different kinds of faith communities so that There isn't one person in Stratford who doesn't have a faith community that they could fit into, that they could belong to, that they could resonate with and grow in. Does that make sense? So the question is, what is the tribe? What is the people group that God is calling Avon to reach? That God has has gifted and equipped and wired and, and, and prepared Avon to reach? And this is the question that... Probably the biggest question 
that the leadership teams have meditated and prayed and fasted and listened to God in response to. And it led us to a passage of scripture in Acts. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. Paul and his posse of missionaries, traveling through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. And there stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, they immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called them to proclaim the good news to the Macedonian tribe. So do you, you see what's going on here? Paul and his group of missionaries are at first trying to go over and reach the Phrygians and Galatians, and the Spirit of God forbids them. No. How did they know? Because they were listening to the Spirit. The only way that we can know the specific tribe that the Spirit of God is calling us to is if we spend time listening to the Spirit. And I can testify that is, is exactly what the spiritual leadership team has done over the last 18 months. Listening. Is it the Asians? No, not right now. Does that mean God doesn't care about the Bithynians and the Asians? No, not right now. That's not who I've called you to reach with the message and presence of Christ for the time and place you find yourself. Okay, the Mysians. Nope. Spirit of Jesus does not allow them. The Bithynians. Nope. The Spirit of God stops them. The Spirit of Christ forbids them because the Holy Spirit has prepared and wired and equipped and prepared them to reach a specific tribe, the Macedonians. Because the Spirit of God has also been preparing the Macedonians for the message that Paul will be bringing. Had a vision, come to Macedonia, they were convinced God had called us to them. And that is what has happened with the spiritual leadership team. We believe we've received a vision, and not the kind of vision, we didn't see a man appear, but we, a vision, and we are convinced that God has called us to this specific tribe of people that I want to present to you, I want to tell you about them this morning. And when we received this vision, this idea of our, our, our Macedonian tribe that we are called to reach, and we shared it with the administrative leadership team and the commission chairs, they're like, yes, it seems good to us in the Holy Spirit. And then the final presentation is to you, to all of us. We need to make a decision. Is this, is this our Macedonian call? Are these the people that we, as a, as a community of faith, feel called to reach with the message and presence of Christ? Who are our Macedonians? Now, in 1950, or 1970, I'm not sure when that word unchurched began to be a part of the vocabulary here at Avon Mennonite Church. But that, that word unchurched, it was very popular in the 70s, 80s, 90s, but it doesn't really describe our reality anymore. So much has happened over the last 20, 30 years. So I want to briefly, Spirit of God, help me to just move through this briefly, but I want to talk about the religious landscape of Canada. 
Just to give you a bit of an overview of some of the cultural realities that the spiritual leadership team has been interacting with in, as a part of our process of discerning who. Who do we exist for? Who is the Spirit of God calling us to reach in Canada, in Stratford? So here's a, a brief overview of the religious landscape in Canada. Eight to nine percent of Canadians are religious, practicing a non-Christian religion. Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, Zoroastrianism. I mean, all of the other religions in the world. Eight to nine percent of Canadians are participating in a non-Christian religion. Now, that's pretty low, isn't it? And most of those numbers have increased. In fact, 99.9% probably have increased in Canada over the last 100 years due to immigration. It's not like a bunch of Canadians are converting to these other religions. That's not what is happening. So it's 8 to 9%. The second group is what I call active Christians. These are Christians who are active in their church communities. And, and it's about 17%. The next group are called the nuns. These are not Catholic nuns, but N-O-N-E-S. These are Canadians who no longer identify with any religion. They're not Christian, not Buddhism, not, no, nothing. This group is the fastest-growing religious demographic in Canada by far. I mean, it's not even close. This group has increased by over 500% in the last 40 years. 40 years ago, it was 4% of the Canadian population. It's, it's one in four now, 24%. And the trajectory is it's only going to continue to grow. This is the future. I'll talk a bit more about them in a minute. The final group, 50%, are what I call nominal Christians. 50% of Canadians still identify themselves, like when the census is taken or when they're getting married and they have to fill out the marriage license. What religion are you? Oh, we're Christian. 50% still identify with Christianity, but they're not active participants in Christian faith or in a Christian community. That's interesting, is it not? 50%. So to get into a bit more detail here with three of those specific groups, and I promise to move quickly through this. And if I'm not, someone just say, move quicker, okay? I will receive that. The first group is the nuns. Like I said, this is the fastest growing demographic, and it's, it's, it's our future. It's, it's where Canadians are increasingly being drawn to. And there's three primary groups. I'm not going to talk about all of them. The first one is marginal. That just means there's Sometimes they affiliate with their Christian heritage and and sometimes they say, oh, I don't have any religion at all. The next subgroup of the nuns is the SBNR, the spiritual but not religious. And this is a group that we as the spiritual leadership team have, have been drawn to pay attention to, special attention to this group. The spiritual but not religious. These are people who, who want nothing to do with organized religion, but they still value their spirituality. They are open to God. They are open or higher power or spirit. In fact, many of them are actively seeking God connection, and they are hungry for spiritual growth, but they mistrust organized religion, want nothing to do with it. 
That's the SBNR. And then the third group is agnostic atheists. They, they want nothing to do with religion or God. So that's the nuns. The next group is, is the nominals. And there's three subgroups of, of this group that I want to just briefly mention. The first, like I said, the nominals are people who are Christian in name. The nominal Christians. So they identify with Christianity, but they're not really active participants. And the first subgroup of this large group, 50%, one in two of every Canadians. Now, that, that number will be higher with you know, Canadians over the age of 65 and lower with uh, people under the age of 30, millennials. In fact, millennials, 35% of millennials, that's a hard word to say for me today, 35% of millennials uh, are nuns, and that's increasing. But back to the, the nominals. 50% of Canadians. So one of, those, one of the subgroups of that larger group are people who just have no interest. They're just indifferent. They're just, when they're asked, uh, what religion are you? Oh, I think we're Christian. You know? Yeah, my grandparents used to go to church. We're, we're Christian. But they have no interest in God, no interest in faith or spirituality. But they have this kind of affiliation. Well, I guess we're sort of part of the Christian faith. So that's the first group. The second group are what I call other priorities. So they're open to God, they're open to Christian faith, they're even open to church, but there's just, they have many other priorities in their lives that are much more important. The third group is what I call the unaware. And this group is not only open to God and, and faith community and spirituality, but, but it, they're actually hungry. But they're unaware that there are churches that are different than the church of their understanding, the church that they grew up with. So they just assume that all churches are like that, that traditional, exclusive, judgmental, you name it, church that they grew up with, or the church that they see portrayed in movies or television. So they just assume all churches like that, so I can't do that. They're unaware that there are many new expressions of church that God is raising up in our current culture. And if they were aware, they would probably plug in. If they were aware of a church that actually was relevant to their daily life experience, their world, their spirituality, their children's lives, they probably would attend. The final group that I want to talk about are the duns. These are the people who are done with church. We're done. Now, a large portion of the duns come from children and youth who grow up in the church, and then leave. Depending on which study and research you look at, anywhere between 60 to 90% of children and youth who grow up in the church leave when they enter young adulthood, you know, their late 20s. 60 to 90%. Wow. Do we, is the Spirit of God saying, hey, you might want to change the way you're doing things? <laughs> Is that a wake-up call? If it's not, I don't know what could be. Is it perhaps because we have made the kids eat the burnt toast instead of us? I don't know. I should add this. It's not just youth who are the duns. There's 40s, 50s, 60-year-olds who are done with church. I mean, this is a kind of a growing epidemic, right? I'm done. And the main, main reasons people articulate for finally saying, I'm, I'm done with church. They find it too judgmental. 
too exclusive and too controlling. I'm done. And another, they make mountains out of the things that they are fighting about. Do not matter. I'm done. I'm done. (sighs) Let us change our path before the Spirit of God says that. (laughs) You know what? I'm I'm joining the Duns. I'm done with church too. (sighs) There's three different subgroups of the Duns. The The first group is they are done with church, but they are still open to the Christian God. They're still still in, interested and, and open to Christian spirituality and Christian faith. The second group, they are done with church and they are done with the Christian God. They are still open to God's spirit, uh, higher power, but they are done with the Christian theological understanding of God, or at least the theological understanding they were given in their church background. That's an important distinction that many of the duns don't yet know. So that would also be a part of the unaware The third group, they're done with church and they're done with God. So that's, I promised I wouldn't get into it too much, so let's leave it there. That's a bit of the religious landscape that has informed our discernment process of who is God calling us to reach with the message and presence of Christ in Stratford today. If that just confused you, forget all about it, because now I'm going to give a more descriptive picture, if you will, of the Macedonian tribe, the group of people that we feel God is calling us to reach with the message and presence of Christ for the time and place we find ourselves. Are you ready? So just let everything else go. I'm going to describe them to you in about, I think there's 14 statements, and then we'll close. So here we go. Who are our Macedonians? Many of them have left or are in the process of leaving church because they were hurt, because they're tired of churchianity, they're weary of Christianese conversations, church politics, hypocrisy, judgmentalism, and the anti-isms of their church life. By that I mean anti-science, anti-evolution, anti-gay, anti-Muslim, anti-women in leadership. Enough of what you're against. What are you for? Who are our Macedonians? Some of them have never had a Christian faith or gone to church, but have recently felt spiritual hunger and are seeking a safe, accepting space to explore spirituality. Or they are suddenly interested in church because they feel the need to pass on certain values or some kind of faith tradition to their children. Who are our Macedonians? They believe in or are open to God or a higher power, but they're turned off by dogma, cliches, pat answers, oversimplified theology that is black and white. Who are our Macedonians? This is a quote from a Macedonian. Not the actual people from the country of Macedonia. I want to clarify, this is the metaphorical Macedonians I'm talking about. A quote, I can't engage the narrow-minded theology of the evangelical churches I've visited, but I can't engage the dead and dated vibe of the mainline churches I've visited either. Who are our Macedonians? They are thoughtful 
and reflective people who are hungry for a spiritual journey, but they resist a one-size-fits-all approach to God, faith, and spiritual growth. Who are our Macedonians? They're not looking for answers, especially not easy answers. What they're seeking is spirit, renewal, transformation, spiritual guidance, and camaraderie for the journey of life. Who are Macedonians? They place extreme value on authenticity. They're suspicious of anything too slick or fake or salesy. If they smell you trying to sell them something, they're out of there. Who are our Macedonians? Many of them are educated and open-minded, meaning open to other religions and traditions. But they aren't looking for a Seinfeld church, a church about nothing. They're seeking a particular path to follow that is focused, but not arrogant or exclusive. Humility is important. Who are our Macedonians? They have no interest in being part of a community that does not accept and include all people regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or gender identification. This is a moral imperative. Who are our Macedonians? They want connection with God and some connection with church. And that word some is important. They already have community in their lives, many of them. They may even be overwhelmed by too many communities, people, networks, and commitments. What they're looking for is space, silence, Sabbath, a spiritual path to help them deal with already being overextended. They're not looking for a church that is going to overextend them further. Here's a bunch of other people you need to have as your new best friend. Here's a bunch of other things that you need to add to your already busy life. They value boundaries as much as they value connection. Work-life balance is a real struggle for most Macedonians. Who are our Macedonians? Those with children under the age of 16 value their children's happiness and development above all else, almost to a fault, and will not attend a church that their children don't resonate with. That's non-negotiable. Who are our Macedonians? Some of them have been on a journey away from Christianity for years, decades of deconstruction questioning everything about their Christian faith in light of the complexity of the world and their own life experiences, yet they are now feeling drawn back to Christ and to Christian community. This is happening. I see it. Most of them have a spiritual or religious background. At some point in their lives, their faith or spirituality have been an important part of their lives. And finally, who are Macedonians? They're looking for God connection and spiritual growth. Not a denomination. They're not looking for church membership. I mean, most of these people identify as a nun, a dun, or an SBNR, a spiritual but not religious person. The last thing they're looking for is organized religion. What they are seeking 
is what the church is supposed to point people to. The presence of God. Spiritual renewal, transformation, love, peace, joy, justice, a deeper, abundant life. And this is a real struggle for churches. We, we, want to, we want to make church the thing that we are inviting people into. It's not. Remember our why, our purpose. To help people encounter God's presence, not become a church member. To help people encounter God's presence and become their true selves. 